We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? Trade teaser. Trade teaser, jumping in some targets, some needs for this team. Going to drop probably a couple episodes on this topic. Very popular, and hopefully the Nets are very active in the trade area. But as always, you can find the Buzz on all streaming platforms. But Jack, where do we start? I reckon we start with the team needs, Nick, because it's a question I've asked basically every single guest that's come on, whether it's Chris Mulholland, Matt Brooks, everyone else, AJ from Nets Kingdom. What do you see as the the team needs overall? Now, you might think that there are none, but there are some, if you can get certain guys, you know, or certain prototypes of guys, you know, point of attack, you know, defense, all those sort of different things. But I don't want to answer the question for you. What is it that sticks out as team needs? Yeah, I think when you look at team needs, you kind of break it down a different couple ways is like there's areas that the team could add a player, but is it necessary for them to win a championship? I'm unsure. So I think I'd look at it as like one thing you always want is just quality players. If you can add a quality player in any area, you're going to look to do that. And I think the Nets are probably short one quality player. And the, the important thing with that is you're looking for a player that fits the style in which you play. You know, we talked about it on the last recap and versatile defenders and playing two-way basketball and being able to have an impact offensively and defensively. I think that's where you look at some of those switchy forwards that really just fit the style of basketball in which the Nets play. You know, uh, Kyle Kuzma and OG Ananobi. And obviously, we'll kind of break down if these guys were in the Nets' realm of trade or if it's a dream scenario. And then also yeah. when... Oh, go ahead, Jack. No, I was just going to say that those are you know, probably a 1A, 1B, and we've got a, you've developed a, a pretty deep and dive into this Google Doc, but what are the other needs that you were going to allude to? Yeah, I think you definitely could look at a point of attack guard defender, you know, someone who can handle the likes of a Trey Young, you know, someone who can really, you know, that's plant. TJ Warren though, isn't it, Nick? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, even if it's just for a small, you know, moment off the bench or you know we're talking about someone like an Alex Caruso not someone who's going to play 30 minutes but someone who can come in disrupt the other team's offense and then obviously the the glaring need that's been talked about is a big man to the bench and I think you could look at it for you know an impactful stretch big that could provide the team you know almost another style in which they can play another element to open Ben Simmons up a little bit more or they could even just look at 
you know, a basic veteran big that could be maybe even acquired on the buyout market to just give you that true depth when you're facing a Joel Embiid and Nick Claxton has three fouls early in the second quarter. You know, that just somebody who can come in and be a big body. I think that's a missing element for the team. And I think that's an area where you don't have to spend a lot. You just want to protect yourself. Yeah, I think that those are the ones, all the the different positions that make sense. I think some people have talked about a, a possible backup playmaker, but you got Ben, you got Kyrie, you got KD, all those guys sort of have that sort of thing handled. But I think it alludes to what we sort of spoke about in a lot of our recaps, in our game recaps. It's just guys that can do play basketball. Now, the simplistic and reductive nature of what I mean by that is, you know, they're not sort of pigeonholed as just one-way guys. They're not... JJ Redick just one way, Steve Novak just, you know, straight up three point shooters. Now, that might be something you add as a 10th, 11th guy, but when you're looking to add maybe, you know, a a guy from four to eight in your rotation, because you've got one, two, and three ish, if it's Ben Simmons, if it's Nick Claxton, whoever else, Joe Harris, Royce O'Neill, you know, TJ Warren and and Yusuf Watsonabe are are certainly up there. You've got sort of seven guys that you feel relatively confident with. And then you've got some other guys on the fringes that you might feel confident with. If you add, you know, an eighth, a credible, you know, eight man rotation come the postseason, that's what matters. And that's why just getting a guy who plays hoops and and can do a couple of things, whether it's rebound, whether it's shoot, whether it's you create for himself, whether it's play defense or just a a combination of of all of it. Yeah, pretty much. And I think also it's important to note is like, it doesn't mean that anybody on the team is bad or they should be kicked out of the rotation. It's just important to note that injuries do happen and you want to protect yourself and have players that can come in. Even if it's an ankle sprain and someone's missing three or four games, you want to have stylistically a player that can replicate that role to an extent. You know, obviously they're not going to be a match for match, but it's just somebody who can do similar things. And that's where it gets interesting. It's like, do you look to just add depth to the team or do you look to maybe upgrade a spot in the rotation? You know, be it a Royce O'Neal or a Joe Harris or, you know, somebody along those lines or just somebody who's a little bit more proven and has a better track ref- record of maintaining their health. Yeah. And in saying that, Nick, what do the Nets have on offer as, you know, I think everyone sort of speaks about old reliable as Seth Curry, Cam Thomas at a first round pick. What's that going to get you? But they have beyond that, you know, a few little pieces here and there. I know Chris Mulholland did a really good job on the podcast we did. That's a good episode to go listen to, guys. We've got a bit of evergreen content available that Nick's done and I've done. What do the Nets have on offer in terms of picks, in terms of players? Yeah, I think you start to look at the picks. They're obviously further down the line. Um, I don't believe the Nets can trade this year's pick. I know there's been some talk about that, but it, it is a swap to... Houston and then also the Nets are getting the better pick between what's ever left and then the worst pick of that trade is going to Utah so the Nets can trade the 2027 uh, Sixers pick they also can trade their own 2027 pick if they wanted to which is also a swap with Houston they can trade their 2028 first round pick they could trade their 2029 first round pick and obviously they can't trade picks in consecutive years so they can't trade you know 28 and 29 but they could trade let's say 27 for the Sixers pick and then 29 of their own pick if they want to do something along those lines so just important to keep that in note. And they have a couple six uh, second rounders. They can uh, move out there in 29, 28, 26. So there's there's a, an array of picks. You know, it's not like they have a, a treasure chest full of picks to move, but they have enough where they can make an upgrade. And I think when you're looking at players, you know, you mentioned it, Jack. Seth Curry's a guy that they're probably going to be looking to move. Cam Thomas is a guy that has 
value to the right team. And even Royce O'Neal, I think, is a guy that is on a good contract and could fit in with a lot of teams. And he's maybe more of a salary filler or maybe someone who's a, a stopgap for another team where, hey, we're giving up a better player, but we can slide Royce into our starting lineup and he can provide us something. And then depending on the team, you know, I think Joe Harris would be a guy you could move. Uh, if you really wanted to get spicy, you could move Ben Simmons or Nick Claxton. I think at this point in time, I wouldn't look to move Claxton for sure unless there was an incredible offer on the table. And then maybe Dayron Sharp to the right, you know, team for something very lesser and Patty Mills potentially as a salary filler. Yeah, there's a the Nets have some stuff now. How good is that stuff in comparison to other teams in terms of picks, in terms of players? That's up for the the, the opposing team that has the player that the Nets might want. You know, whether it's Mobamba, John Collins, Kyle Kuzma, OG Ananobi, all these sort of guys. You know, what do other teams it's it's worth you know analyzing what the Nets do have because you need to think about what do the other teams have? Is it yep. better than what the Nets do have? Can they you know the Nets can't sweeten the deal. They don't have you know forty billion picks on the Utah Jazz. They're not the the Oklahoma City Thunder. They're not these sort of teams that have assets upon assets upon assets. So what they what they do with the picks and players that they do have, you know, it, it's it needs to be precise and it needs to upgrade it. It needs to fill a point of need. Yeah, and it needs to probably include some creativity. As you mentioned, they don't necessarily have these huge, beautiful assets for teams that are they're just you know clamoring for. It's like, hey, maybe we can move this guy to the X team and then move this guy to Y team, and now we can send you know the assets we receive for them to Z team for a player that actually helps our team. You know, I think it's going to require probably some creativity from Sean Marks if he's looking to make a big splash. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nick, where do you want to go when it comes to a, a little bit of a tease on on talking about a few players? I think that the the one that I wanted to start with is the one that's probably been in the news of of most recent, and that's Mo Bamba, and he was you know linked to the Nets in a report via Jake Fisher a, along with a few other teams, and the Magic said to be wanting a first round pick, and they also said that they you know maybe it could it, it could be had with with two seconds. 
when it comes to Mo Bamba, Nick, and and what is uh, uh, could the would he fill a need that the, that you've been alluding to with the Nets? It is a first round pick too much. You know, give me your thoughts. I guess on you know, once we uh, now that we're starting to get into a few of the players. Yeah, I think Mo Bamba is a guy that you trade for and you're not necessarily he's going to be the perfect guy and he's going to be in your playoff rotation, but you're willing to take the swing, especially if you're only offering two second round picks. You know, and he also provides a different skill set on the roster that they don't have. You know, he's a stretch five with great size and actually rebounds the ball at a really good rate when he actually plays a large chunk of minutes. The question is, is just how good is Mo Bamba? You know, he's a guy that's been in and out of the rotation in Orlando. Um, can he switch defensively or when he's on the floor, the Nets going to have to play a lot of drop coverage? Is that going to be something they're able to adjust to? So I think if you're not giving up great assets for him, it makes sense because he could potentially fit. He's not a guy that you're willing to lock in and be like, yeah, he, he'd be perfect for this team. But if you're only giving up two seconds, you're OK with that, because at the very minimum, he's going to fill in good minutes for you in the regular season. Yeah, I think when it comes to a guy like Mo Bamba, you sort of think about, you know, what is it that he does and what are you going to be giving up? And you know, I sort of think to, you know, Christian Wood in, in what the Mavericks were able to give up to just add a guy to their rotation in terms of just sort of filler things and filler pieces. If the Nets, you know, strike out on a Kyle Kuzma, OG Ananobi, you know, these guys that are, are right at the top of the list, then you need to just think about, you know, changing your priorities and going for, okay, is a Mo Bamba a guy that you want out? Is there another sort of, you know, is there a, 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 Tory, a, a Nas Reed or, or Gary Harris or Jay Crowder, these sort of guys? So, I think the Nets you know, need to add something. Mo Bamba might not be the answer, but he's he's he, he'd be he's a nice a, addition. He, he would. He just adds a, a bit of depth to the rotation. He would be you know, a, a better version of of Markeith Morrison in a lot of ways. You know, this yeah. season in twenty six games, averaging eight point two points, five point four rebounds, one point one assists, fifty percent from the field, but thirty eight point seven percent from three, which is you know what you sort of look to. And the volume, let me quickly find it. It's on two point nine attempts per game. Last season, he shot thirty eight point one percent on four attempts per game. So he's a he's a stretch big, and you could probably yep. play him out there. You know, maybe you get a bit funky and you go Bamba and Clax at the same time. You definitely could play Bamba and Ben Simmons. You know, I think that he's got a, a a lot of talent. You know, he is a lottery a lottery pick. So there's there's talent in there, and you know, can the Nets unlock it if they were to to make a move for him? You know, that's the that's the big question. Yeah, and he's under contract for another season, which I think is important too. You know, even if it's not maybe the perfect fit this year, the Nets could find ways to incorporate him, especially if they're looking to keep Ben Simmons long term. He's the type of player that could develop really nicely next to Ben. Ben, and he's also from New York. It's always cool to have, you know, someone who was, you know, from New York City playing for the Nets just kind of adds an extra element and also maybe gives him a little bit more, you know, reason to take his game to the next level. So, if Bamba can be traded for at the right price, I think that's a move that you could make in addition to a bigger move or a smaller move. You know, he just makes a lot of sense for a lot of different reasons, as we have alluded to. Rebounds the basketball, a true seven-footer, can knock down a three-ball, has potential to probably be better defensively than he's been so far in the NBA. I know at times fouls have been an issue for him, but it is for a lot of young players, and he's, I believe, only 24 years old. Yeah, it's like when you've got Mo Barman, Nick Claxton as your sort of you know, centers you know, that you, you're banking on. It's just there's a, a lot of intangible talent there and a lot of tangible talent as well. Yeah, I agree. I think he would definitely be a guy that prototypically on paper makes a lot of sense. It's just can it come to fruition on the floor of this team? And I think there's a good possibility it could. 
Now, Nick, I've never asked you on, maybe I have, but we've done so many podcasts together as well as, you know, with our individually and solo and, and with others about John Collins, because that's the other guy that's come up time and time again. We've spoken about it, I know, at least behind the scenes, but whether we have on the buzz, um, you know, people might have to, you know, find some, some, some sound clips of us. But let me ask about John Collins, because we heard the rumors a couple of weeks ago linking the Nets to John Collins. The Atlanta Hawks weren't interested in, in Joe Harris as the sort of centerpiece of the deal, and that is essentially what you would have to do. And the, it, it sort of petered out a little bit. But let's rebring you know, John Collins into the, the trade discussions. What does John Collins do for you? What does he do for the Nets? Yeah, I think obviously John Collins provides you with some great athleticism. Somebody who can really play above the rim, can catch oops, can set screens, has you know potential to be a stretch big to an extent. Um, his shooting has been a little bit off this season. I think he rebounds the basketball at a pretty good rate. But I think when I look at John Collins, the thing that's concerning is the defense. It's been very inconsistent throughout his NBA career. And he's not a true big. He lacks that height and length to really truly be a rim protector. So I think... You could look at the ad and, you know, talk yourself into it. But at the same time, I think there's better options on the table, especially for what you would have to get up, give up to acquire a guy like John Collins. Yeah, I think when you just you allude to John Collins as you know, giving up Joe Harris, which is that sort of you know juicy sort of tr- number, the, the 15 to 20 million number, which you get for your Jeremy Grants, your Mikhail Bridges, these sort of like wingy types, your Kyle Kuzmas. You know, you'd rather give it up for a Kyle Kuzma, but... If you just look at previous numbers in in past seasons for for John Collins, we sort of spoke about you know guys that are just good basketballers. This is a guy that can score. This is a guy that can rebound. This is a guy that's proven that he can shoot the three ball. This season, I think he's been hampered by injuries and a lot of just bullshit happening behind the scenes in Atlanta. But last season, averaged 16.2 points, 17.6 points before that, 21.6 points before that, and then his sophomore season, 19.5 points. And, you know, beyond this season, you know, the last, the three seasons before that, 36.4% from three, 39.9% from three, and 40.1% from three. All of those above on, on, th- on three plus attempts per game. And he rebounds the ball well, as you alluded to, 7.4 boards this season, 7.8 the season before, 7.4 before that, 10.1. So he does a lot of things that the Nets, that he would fit with the Nets. And I also do think, in terms of its general fit. While I don't think he is ideal, and I would not probably include Joe Harris, I think Joe Harris's spacing is probably more valuable overall. I think that John Collins defensively would fit probably better in Brooklyn than he would in a lot of other teams because I think switching just suits his style, and I think he looks better when he switches other than... And I think because he's playing alongside a traditional big like a Clint Capella you know, for so long... I think his skill set and his his physical traits would fit better in Brooklyn. Not to say that I would you know, pay the farm for him, but if it's you know, Seth Curry and Paddy Mills and, and a few other pieces or whatever, then yeah, you do it in a heartbeat. But it, it's about you know what you're giving up in return. But I also I, I think some people have either been too down on John Collins or too high on John Collins. We're trying to say somewhere in the middle. But at the same time, you know, I can understand the fit, but I can definitely understand the reservations at the same time. Yeah, I think the lateral quickness is maybe a concern defensively at times, getting switched a little bit. And with injuries too, yeah. you know, but maybe that's where he loses. He's a coming bit off, more. I think, a sprained ankle right now, um, so that could be a little concern. But I think offensively, you could see how he could unlock things. 
But at the same time, if you trade for John Collins, you're pushing, you know, Ben Simmons to the bench, which just doesn't seem very likely. So would it be Nick Claxton to the bench? And right now, Claxton, in my opinion, is a more impactful player, at least in this NBA season. And I think John Collins has been a little bit hot and cold. He strikes me as this player that just has a lot of hot and cold games where you're like, damn, this guy could be an all-star. And then, you know, a week later, he has a game where you're like, did he even play tonight? So I think that's where the concern comes. And you, you hit it right on the head, Jack. It's like, if I'm going to trade Joe Harris in that contract, I know that's my one kind of big contract to move. I don't want my first choice to be John Collins. Who is your first choice, Nick? <laughs> I guess going, I mean, we have like, uh, we have a, a list breakdown a lot. It's broken down pretty much expensive targets and great fits, high cost targets with good to mediocre fits, and then fair price targets with l- less impactful and then cheap targets that are kind of hit or miss. So my expensive targets that would be ideal to great fits would be OG and Anobi, which is obviously a dream that's likely not to happen given it seems like 29 teams are interested in OG. Uh, Chris Stapp- they, apparently it's going to cost like five like first round picks like it's yeah, more they than said Rudy like, Gobert. Like, uh, Donovan we're not Mitchell trying to- package. Like, come on, man. Like, let's be real. Like, he's OG Ananobi. He's an incredible player. And I've, I've said that like at points he's been my defensive player of the year, but like, He's not Kevin freaking Durant. Like yep. he's not, it's let's just calm the farm a little bit. But yeah, in saying that I interrupted. No, you're good, Jack. I think that's pretty much where I was thinking with him too, is like, it'd be a great fit. And with the right GM, you could probably make a reasonable trade. Masai seems like he's asking a ridiculous price. We've seen that in the past, kind of come back to bite him and get lesser packages. He's had obviously some great success and the Raptors won a championship and they essentially kind of, I don't say ripped off the Spurs for Kawhi because he was only there for a year, but that really paid off. But you saw things with the Kyle Lowry stuff where he was maybe asking a little bit too much, ended up kind of getting a lesser package. But moving on to another guy. Can I just uh, ask a controversial question, Nick, about OG Ananobi and another player on the Nets roster? Would you rather have OG Ananobi or Ben Simmons on on this Nets roster? (laughs) I feel like this is going to bring me some heat. Um, I think, you know, the way Ben's playing right now and the way OG's playing right now, OG is currently probably the better player as of today, right now on December 21st. <laughs> but, you know, Ben, if he got back to the level in which we think he can play at, you know, there's a great argument that Ben's the better player. But OG is arguably a better fit because he can knock down a three-point shot. And that's something Ben Simmons probably is never going to be able to do. And that's and just based off my own basketball theories, I like spacing. And OG provides that and Ben doesn't. Yeah, I, I'm... I would say OG and Obi, like yeah. you know, but we've we've both have a love for for Ben Simmons and and what he's done in, in before you know a few injuries earlier in the season and you know, he's coming back finding his way into form a little bit you know a bit of inconsistency here and there, but OG is just you know really he, good. He's just just so good and he's you know he can and play it. small. If you put you know him next to Clax and Kevin Durant, like we we spoke about Ben Simmons a lot and just the front court and the switchability. But like OG Ananobi is always all defense, always. And he will be for the rest of his career. And I think his offense, you know, to like, you probably might have some numbers in front of you, but I think he can shot a shot a little bit. Yep. Like he's he's gotten better at just being able to go, all right, well, I'll just create a little bit here. Like, because the Toronto Raptors have little to no offensive creativity and they just force guys to just, you know, you have to figure out something by yourself. And I think OG's done that a little bit more over time. So um, he's the 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 one A, the one B, the one C, the one D, the one E, and all the other letters in the alphabet. But it's incredibly unlikely. But I, I'm a, a man can still dream. Dreams, dream, you know, a man can dream. 
just under 19 points per game on 47% from the field. That was a number I didn't expect to see. And leads the league in steals at 2.4. I would say this. Ben Simmons is a very strong player, but I think OG is stronger. And I think that would give me more comfort in switching him on to centers, which at times has been not an issue for Ben, but it hasn't been as successful as against going against wings and guards. And, you know, there's a reason that Toronto is going to get a great package for him. And the Nets are probably going to be out of that sweepstakes. Yeah, Seth Curry and the two first rounders you were alluding to and Joe Harris probably isn't going to do it. I do know that the Toronto Raptors have very, very high uh, opinions of Nick Claxton. Yep. You know, I've spoken about that before. So maybe they decide to finally get a center on their roster. Nick Claxton is the guy that just wants to turn it all around, you know, for Masai Ujiri, but it seems unlikely. But I reckon we discuss one more guy, Nick. And I think, can you guess the the, the guy that I'm thinking of? I think he plays for the Washington Wizards, if I had a guess. I think he plays for the Washington Wizards as well, and it's not Kristaps Porzingis. It is. <laughs> it's Kyle Kuzma, because he's the realistic OG. The, yeah. the sort of, And I think he's the one that's getting a, a heap of interest. And the thing that stuck out to me when, I think it was The Athletic or might have been Shams or someone reporting, where it was it essentially seemed like Kyle Kuzma was providing, you know, I want to be in a situation where I'm winning or in a bigger market. And I'm like, hmm. The Nets are in a pretty good market in New York. Hmm. The Nets are actually pretty good right now on, on, on the ascension towards contention. They fit what I think Kyle Kuzma would want. The Nets have had some history with the Washington Wizards with some trades and such. And a possibility not, to acquire Kyle Kuzma in the past. <laughs> they, uh, let's not go there because you know we've, we've had some positive feelings about Sean Marks given how well Edmund Sumner, TJ Warren, and Yuta Watsonabe have been playing. But... In saying that, what is the likelihood of Kyle Kuzma being a Brooklyn net, Nick? And what other teams? Because, you know, the Lakers want him and Team B, C, D. Like, it's basically if it's 29 teams for OG Ananobi, it's 24 teams that probably want Kyle Kuzma. Yeah, I think this is a situation where you have to feel really confident Kyle Kuzma wanting to come to Brooklyn and have an idea of the number that he wants in the offseason. He has a player option after this year. And if you're going to trade know a good amount of assets for him you want to make sure you're retaining him long term and i think that's really going to become you know an issue in this trade market because as you mentioned interest in a big market you know could he go back to the lakers sure and if the lakers probably offer one of their picks that might just you know kick the nets right out of the option the the sweepstakes for kyle kuzma so if the offers are too big they're not going to be able to acquire him but they have a substantially better chance of acquiring kyle kuzma over OG Ananobi. And I've noticed that Kyrie and Kyle Kuzma are always chatting it up after every single Wizards and Nets game. So there could already be some connections on the team. And as you mentioned, he provides a versatility, not only defensively, but offensively. I think since he's joined the Wizards, he's showcased a lot of improvements in his game and uh, specifically being a rebounder and playmaking. And, you know, during stretches last year, he was getting triple doubles. He was, you know, having eight assist games, nine assist games, and really just adding all elements and becoming a complete player. And I don't think he's an all-star, but he's a really good role player. Yeah. He's like the, the Andrew Wiggins style of all-star, like a Rome, a rung below that. He's a Mikhail Bridges sort of type. And I think you alluded to rebound. That's something that really stuck out to me and, and would fit on the nets really, really well. Just having, 
because Kevin Rand isn't a great rebounder, it's it's one of the skills that he does struggle with. But if you have Kyle Kuzma, you got Ben Simmons, and you got you know Nick Claxton, I think that is an, an immediate upgrade into the rotation there. I alluded to you know OG Ananobia, you know creating his own shot a little bit more. Kyle Kuzma can do that, you know, pretty goddamn easily. And at three levels, you know, I think he's really aggressive at, at getting to the line and being purposeful there. And you alluded to the improvements in playmaking. We spoke about, and I think. The big thing overall is, you know, how good are these guys? It's just basketballers. We've alluded to basically every skill that's important in basketball, and Kyle Kuzma has at least some skill in all of those departments. So he is the the prime candidate for for the Nets. And if the Nets can should have made a deal in the past for him, they they need to be on the phone to Washington right now, and, and hopefully other teams you know, have a lesser package or. Kyle Kuzma and his agent don't give them the assurances that he wants to be there long term. So. The, the Nets are within a shot, Nick. I'm, I'm not sure how likely that shot is. Uh, I think a, you know, overall, just general picture, I think it's more likely that they get a Bamba type and Gary Harris or a Jay Crowder yeah. type than a, a Kyle Kuzma. But, you know, uh, I'll, I have more realistic dreams uh, about Kyle Kuzma than they than I do with OG Ananobi. Yeah, and I think you brought up a great point, Jack. It's just if they tell if he tells his agent you know, or they tell these teams, hey, we're not going to resign with you, they're not going to send a package unless they're really desperate and they want to take a swing for the finals, which is still possible too. I think uh, this is brought to me up by a Twitter user. I, I can't recall their, their app, but he is not a great catch and shoot three point shooter. That is maybe one negative on him. But as you mentioned, his ability to get to the free throw line and provide a little rim pressure for this team in which they're lacking at times. And someone who can really, you know, light it on a night where Kyrie or Katie are out and just, gives you another switchy long forward that can defend multiple positions and fit in offensively. And that you just can't have enough of these guys. And if the Nets are fully leaning into, we're going to be a forward wing heavy team. Kuzma just fits that. Yeah. And I think that the the big part of the, what you alluded to there, Nick, is just, we spoke about, you know, Yuta Watanabe, TJ Warren, all these sort of guys. You can never have too many wings. You know, Kevin Oran has said it time and time again that it is a wings league and if the nets were to get you know another wing and one that so many other teams do want i also say when it comes to adding guys to the roster it means that other teams don't have you know that player as well so it means that you know, 29 other teams don't have yeah. Kyle Kuzma or Mo Bamba or whoever else in their roster. So it means that they're not only upgrading themselves, but it, not degrading other teams, but it means that they lose that sort of value there. So it's a I real mean, positive. Boston I, could realistically have enough assets to acquire Kyle Kuzma if they really wanted to make a push in that way and taking him away from a team like that or even a team like Cleveland. I'm not sure if they have quite the assets after trading for Donovan Mitchell, but you know, you look at a lot of different teams, as you mentioned, you're trying to remove your competition from some of these opportunities to acquire a great player. And Kyle did, was a great role player. Yeah, I did end up finding, Nick, the catch-and-shoot percentage for Kyle Kuzma. And it isn't amazing, but it's okay enough. Two, he's, he's shooting 5.93s, uh, catch-and-shoot threes, and he's shooting 36.1% on them. Not incredible. You'd want that number to be closer to, to the sort of 40 mark, but you know the the Wizards don't really have many guys that are like that other than Corey Kispert looking at the numbers right now. So, But maybe in, in Brooklyn, he gets unlocked because you know, Kevin Durant creates so much space and gravity, as does Kyrie Irving. So I still think that you know if, if you're not getting Kyle Kuz because he's catch-and-shoot threes, you're making a mistake. But plenty of other guys that we will discuss in the future. This is a, a little teaser, a little bit of moose-bouche before you know the, the trade season really does kick off. Jack, who's one, just before we get out of here, who's one random guy that you would love on this team? Maybe not a whole high-profile guy, but somebody who just kind of, you know, you just maybe have a thing for him and his fit with this team. 
I mean, it used to be like Chris Dunn back in the day, but you know, Chris Dunn is, is no longer <laughs> we had that, that guy. experiment already. <laughs> yeah, I think like for me, like Sadiq Bay is, is a guy that sticks out because of his history, you know, with the Landry Shamit trade and such, and you know, a guy that you could sort of have as a, a future prospect too. And then I think a guy who's value, and I tweeted about PJ Washington the other day. I think he's got some skill. And the other guy, and these are guys on your list, but you know, we'll discuss them in depth in, in future episodes. I think Robert Covington's value has gone yeah. down so low in, in Los Angeles that he's out of the rotation that the Nets could get him you know, pretty easily, maybe gets bought out. And because he's just, uh, he, I think he would just be a really good guy that you bank on as a buy low candidate. And he's, value starts to like skyrocket because he's played good basketball with so many different teams in so many different situations that I think he's a buy low guy that I would not sneeze at. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually really started doing a deeper dive on Covington over the last couple of days, especially noticing his lack of play and Ty Lue having, I don't want to say weird comments, but it almost felt kind of like, the Bruce Brown treatment that uh, Steve Nash gave uh, last year where he's like, Oh, I know what I have in him. So I'm not really playing him, but Covington's obviously a guy that wants to play. He's a little bit up there in age and has a lot of experience playing small ball five. We'll jump into that on a future episode, but just some names to kind of get you warmed up for the trade season. And we'll go really deep on this stuff. Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks everybody for listening and check the buzz on all streaming platforms. This is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer. He hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.